Amen. Y'all have a seat. Good morning, Midtown family. It's really good to be here. My name is Jonathan. I am one of the pastors here at Midtown, and I particularly serve at our Napier congregation. I've been planting uh, that congregation for the last number of years, uh, and I'm really excited about uh, what the Lord has for us uh, in the coming year, including moving into a new space that we should be getting into in the next month or so and starting worship services on Sundays uh, in, in the next couple, couple months. So, But until then, I'm really glad to be here and I'm really glad to open up um, the word and continue on uh, the, uh, the series that we're in, in prayer, which reminds me that I'm gonna need a little bit of help um, if, if, uh, this is going to work, right. It's kind of like when a magi- magician and I'm not a magician, but when a magician stands up and they're like, all right, if this is going to work, I need you to help me here. If this is going to work, I'm going to need you to help me. And here's what I need. Uh, we're talking about prayer and I need you all to go with me and at least consider, and I'm hoping you'll agree, but at least consider this fact. Hey kids. Number one, you love control and you need control. And number two, you don't have as much of it as you think you do. All right? So for this to work today, for us to get from this scripture, trust me, I've been studying this all week. We're going to need to agree on that. And let me tell you what I mean when I say you love control and I love control. I love one of two things, okay? I either love it when I can make something in my life happen that I want to happen, right? Like I can manipulate my situation. I can work hard. I can kind of wrestle out. I want to get somewhere. I want this thing in my life to be a certain way, right? Like that's a, one kind of control. But if I can't do that, I at least want to understand what it is that I can't control, which is still its own form of control. You with me a little bit? So I either want to be able to change it or I got to get it. I got to understand it. Well, here's the problem. Uh, We don't have near as much control over our lives as we wish. And we actually don't have as much control over our lives as we think we do. There's so much more outside our life that we can't control. We're talking about prayer in the series and prayer is supernatural. Okay, control is natural, right? Like having things under control, being able to do what I want to do or understanding, like I'd call that natural. But things get a little weird when I don't understand, when I, when I can't control. That's the world of the supernatural and that's where we're at with prayer uh, this morning. And especially in the topic that we're going to be talking about um, in this particular line of the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, my wife is, uh, she's walking down. Sorry, babe, calling you out. My wife is a triathlete. Okay. As a preacher, it's not cool to brag on yourself, but it's always cool to brag on your wife. So I'm going to do that for a second. Um, my wife is a triathlete. So she swims because apparently they tell me as in a triathlon, you have to swim and she swims professionally. Uh, I've learned from her. There's the, there's a difference between, uh, lap pool swimming and open water swimming. Okay, anyone nod your head if you get this, okay? So lap pool swimming is like the life of control. I got my lane, I know where I'm going, there's really only one direction, I got 50 yards, I guess, usually, right? I'm gonna do one stroke, then I'm gonna turn around, I'm gonna come back. I can't really veer, because what do I do? I hit those little bumpers. Easy, simple, control, everything makes sense. But reality is much more like open water swimming or open ocean swimming. 
Um, my wife did a lot of triathlons in California swimming out in the Pacific Ocean. You drop someone in the middle of the water and now all of a sudden you got other factors to consider, don't you? You've got waves, you've got current, and you've got things that might wanna come take a bite out of you. Totally different. That's much more like real life, right? Real life is just not controllable like that. And when we talk about this, this topic of temptation and the fact that our lives are full of things, are, are, we get put in situations in our lives where we have the option to leave the Lord and go do our own thing, which the Bible calls sin, by the way. To leave the Lord and do it on our own, not do it according to his will in his way and with him. We have that temptation all the time and it reminds us and it shows us. And I think it can wake us up this morning to how life is supernatural and we need the Lord. We need a supernatural to be with us. And that's where prayer comes in. That we get the chance to pray to the Lord to do things for us in the uncontrollable elements of our life that we can't do ourselves. So join me just for a second as we read our very short verse in Matthew chapter six, verse 13, where Jesus says this, pray this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, uh, Leah's not into temptation right now. Um, maybe it's just the temptation to check out or the temptation to say, yeah, I've heard that before, but okay, keep us close, um, Give us the courage to believe that you might have something new to teach us this morning. Or you might have something very old to pull back up and remind us of how true it is. So do that, we pray, by your power, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as we embark in this life of open ocean swimming, and we talk about temptation, we talk about being beset by trouble and trial, I'm gonna help us pull out from this one simple little prayer three lanes that we can swim in, okay? Three ways that as we're in the open ocean with all the things, the Lord's gonna guide us through this prayer. So three things we can pull out of this prayer. It's kind of flushing it out just a little bit. Number one, Father, help us. We're in a battle. Number two, we can pray, Father, have mercy on us because we're fragile in the battle. And then finally, Father, now fight for us. Deliver us from evil. Okay, so those are gonna be three lanes that we're gonna run down for the sermon and three things that I hope this week you can take as you pray this prayer. Father, help us, have mercy on us, and fight for us. So first, Father, help us, we're in a battle. Y'all, the life of the Christian, the life of a human being is a life of a battle because there are things from within that we'll talk about and from without that we'll talk about that attack us. Just listen to some of the language that these verses of scripture give us when they talk about temptations. There's a verse that says, we are overtaken by trials and temptations. There's a verse in James, we'll look at in a second, that says we're dragged away by the temptation of our own desires. And then in our verse, it says we have to be delivered from them. So doesn't this sound like a battle to you? Delivered, overtaken, dragged away. This is, this is physical language. This is battle language. This is fight language. So that's the world we're in. That's what we're talking about. And like every battle, there's enemies 
And then there's strategies. There's enemies that are attacking us and then there's tactics that those enemies have to attack us. So the enemy in this battle with temptation, the enemy is not God. Throw up that James verse if we've got it. In James chapter one, James says this, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil. In other words, he's not evil at all. There's there's not even the temptation for evil in him. Nor does he tempt anyone. He's not the enemy here. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So we know the enemy is not the Lord. So who is the enemy? Well, the enemy is called different things throughout scripture. The world is called the enemy. There's evil in the world. There's wrongness in the world. Evil is just wrongness that's apart from God. Anything that's out of uh, or, or different than the will of God, anything that's contrary to God, anything that's against the Lord, that's evil. And there's evil in the world There's evil in something called the flesh that we'll talk about, which is just internally, that there's actually a part of me that's evil. I hate to say that, and we kind of hate to say that these days, but that's just the truth. There is part of you that's evil. It's not all external coming in. It's also internal coming out. And then there is the devil. There's, There's a devil, and there's forces of evil that are outside of you, but that are contrary to the Lord in you and contrary to him. So evil exists or the enemy exists as evil in these different ways, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And like in every battle, those enemies or that enemy of evil has a strategy, has a tactic. And this is the tactic, putting you in hard, painful, difficult, stressful situations, evil situations where you have the option to leave the Lord and go do it your own way. That is the tactic, that is the strategy of the enemy, is to either put you in or take difficult, painful things in your life and use that to then pull you away from the Lord. Let me give you the very first example in all of scripture. Adam and Eve are in the garden, right? Everything's perfect. There is no pain. There is no evil. There's no difficulty. They've never woken up to a bad day in their life. Imagine that. They've never woken up with a stressful thought in their life. They've never woken up with fear of what's gonna happen today. Never! And the enemy comes to them. And the enemy inserts a difficulty that doesn't exist in reality but he inserts a difficult situation by asking the question, did God really say that you were you know, gonna have this whole beautiful garden, but there's this one little thing that you couldn't have? And he kind of goes on and what he's doing is he's creating doubt, which what's doubt? Doubt's a type of stress. It's a type of difficulty. It's a trial. The enemy tempts Adam and Eve to disobey the Lord and to leave the presence, the the relationship that they have with the Lord to do it their own way. And from that moment on, all the other sins, all the other evils and the temptation to follow those things came into the world. Let me give you a few quick examples with some very common evils or sins. Let's look at lying. How does lying and the temptation to lie fall into this pattern? Well, this is what lying is. God, 
the truth is too difficult. So I'm gonna go a different way. Or God, the truth is too painful. So I'm gonna tell a lie. Or I'm gonna deceive. Or I'm gonna create a situation that's not true. You see that? All lying is, is leaving the truth. It's not anything in and of itself. It's just a departure from what's true. Why? Because the truth is inconvenient sometimes. The truth is painful sometimes. The truth is difficult sometimes. And the temptation to lie comes from when you face the pain and difficulty of the truth, of a situation, of a person, of a thing, of yourself, and you say, no, God, it's too tough. And you move a different direction. You go at it alone with your own truth. That's lying. What about cheating, stealing, and manipulating? I'll kind of put those things in the same category. We cheat or we steal or we manipulate when we say this to the Lord. Lord, not having what I think I need is too painful. Not having enough, however I define that, is too painful. It's too much. I can't bear the difficulty of not having this thing and so I'm gonna take it or I'm gonna manipulate to get it or I'm gonna cheat to get it. Same pattern, right? Lord, I won't handle and, I, and I'm not gonna be with you in the pain of my situation, so I'm gonna step aside, I'm gonna go my own way. Finally, let's talk about anger. When anger is used unrighteously, when anger is used as a tool, it says this, God, not having what I want right now is too painful. And so I'm gonna make my situation be the way I want it through anger. I'm gonna use anger as a tool to push down someone else or to get someone to do what I want them to do or to change their behavior. Sorry, kids. Daddy does that all the time, right? Thank God, not as much as I could. But you see how in these very common sins, the temptation comes by us looking at the difficulty, the lack, the, the option to say, Lord, I'm not gonna believe and trust you. I'm gonna go my own way. I'm gonna go at it alone. And so that is the way that the enemy, whether that's an internal enemy, an external enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil, comes at us with this strategy to get us away from the Lord. So we, in that place, cry, Father, help. I'm in a battle. And we gotta acknowledge that we are. But there's another couple lanes that this wonderful part of the Lord's prayer gives us. And the second one is this. We can also cry after we acknowledge there's a battle and cry for help, we say, Father, have mercy on us because we're fragile in the battle. In other words, this battle we're entering into, we're actually not very well equipped to fight. We're not strong enough. We don't have the right tools. We aren't enough for the battle in and of ourselves. Jeremiah 17 says it like this, the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Wouldn't it be great if we entered into the battle with strong hearts, with healthy hearts, with hearts that were good at withstanding pain and suffering and difficulty, but we're not. It's not natural for us and we're not naturally good at it. Instead, we're deceitful and desperately sick and we will take all kinds of opportunities to grab hold of that temptation that's offered to us and step into sin. We're frail, we're vulnerable. And so Jesus in Matthew 26, when he is undergoing his own temptation, 
Go read the story in Matthew 26 of the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is faced with intense pain and trouble. And look what he, listen to what he says to his disciples. He says, watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. And so Paul in Romans 7 can speak about this to us and he can say, for I have the desire to do what is right. I have the desire. (laughs) There's a part of me that wants to do good, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Wow. That's tough, isn't it? But that's the battle. That's the battle that we live in with weak, frail, vulnerable, fragile hearts to step against temptation and realize I don't got what I need. I actually love pleasure too much to accept the pain. I love control too much to accept being out of control. I love being able to make things in my life the way I want them to be too much for me to accept a situation where I actually can't control things. Is there something in your life right now that's painful? Is there something in your life right now that's difficult? Is there a situation that feels out of control? Is there something that you're missing that you want really bad? Those themselves are not sin, they're not wrong, they are life. However, they're also temptations, they're opportunities. There are opportunities for the enemy to come and to say, there's another way. Step outside of the Lord. You don't need him. Go make it happen yourself. And so it leads us to the final lane and the final part of this prayer. This prayer would not work if it stopped here. It would just be a bunch of really hard, true information. But the prayer ends with, Deliver us from evil. And so I say to you, pray this. Father, now fight for us. Fight for me. Deliver me from evil. I'm rereading the Lord of the Rings series. Um, It's been a number of years since I read them. And man, they're so good. If you've only watched the movies, go back and reread the books. But in the movie and the book, there's, there's this... Um, there's a, an, an element, um, there's a scene, there's a character who has a horn. And this horn is really famous, it's called the Horn of Gondor. And when this horn is blown, uh, help comes. And it's known that this horn is passed down from generation to generation and it's a battle horn. But it's a horn that the blower, when they blow it under distress, when they blow it under attack, when they blow it because enemy forces are coming in, help always comes. That's why it's a magic horn. That's why it's so powerful and so, you know, famous. This prayer is Jesus giving us the horn of Gondor in the battle. That when we blow on this, when we pray this prayer, Father, deliver us from evil, help always comes. Why? Because God is always with us in those trials. God is always with us in those seasons of testing. The word 
Temptation also means trial and testing. It's inherent in the understanding for the Greeks that when a temptation came, it was a, it was a, it was a thing that was a test and a trial. God is with us in those places. Those places are not places where we've left him and we only find ourselves in this place because we left him and he's somewhere else. No, even when we got into the trouble ourselves, even when it was a result of our own sin, it says he's always with us. And so we cry out to him, we call out to him in prayer and say, now Lord, now that I have acknowledged the battle, now that I've acknowledged my weakness in it, now come and fight for me. And you blow the horn. Because evil is both within us and it's without us. We tempt ourselves, we lie to ourselves, we deceive ourselves, we believe crazy things. The sin that other people have done to us messes us up to where we have patterns that we fall into. We have habits, we have addictions that transcend even our will. Sometimes our sin is even about our own choosing. It's something that we can't help but happen. And we have a devil and we have spiritual forces outside of us that want to come and deceive and lie. And so we blow that horn. We say, God, now come fight for us. Deliver us from evil. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you know, in scripture it says, God will never give you more than you can handle. Everyone, anyone ever heard that? That's not a verse in the Bible. Uh, this is the verse. Could you throw up 1 Corinthians 10, 13? This is the verse that it does say. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Meaning if you think you've been tempted by it, so is someone else. Everybody gets tempted by what you're being tempted by. And God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Y'all, the fact is, there are things in our lives that come in that are more than we can bear. In fact, I would even say, not I would even say, the Bible says God puts things in your life that are more than you can bear. He brings you to the end of yourself and then he brings you past the end and you realize that where you thought was the end wasn't even the end and it gets harder. He brings you to those places. Jesus himself was led into temptation. But what is true is that the Lord is with us in that. And in that place of difficulty and trial and pain and trouble, you are, it is just not true that that is too strong for you to not fall prey to sin. What it means is that there is, it says it, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Maybe not out of the situation, but out of the desire to sin, out of the draw that that enemy is drawing you on to leave the Lord in your place of pain and trouble and to go to something different, to leave him because he's always with you in it. You leaving is always your choice. Now that doesn't mean it's easy, it doesn't mean that we won't fall prey to it again and again and again. And guess what? He's with you in that. He follows you in that. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There is always a way to him because he never leaves. He's always there with you. 
And it's what it means in Psalm 23 when it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil for you are with me. It'd be easy or it'd be great if it said, you know, I will never walk through the valley of the shadow of death because when I get into the valley, God's gonna pull me right out. It doesn't say that. It says, even though I walk, when I'm in it, as I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, when it's happening again, I find the Lord with me. And so I don't have to fear any evil. I don't have to fear the attacks of the enemy. I can meet them head on. I can learn my patterns. I can begin to see the way that sin comes in and affects me and I can cry out to the Lord and say, now fight for me in this place. And I asked you at the beginning, uh, would you be willing to go with me um, into the acknowledgement, the realization that we don't have control? Well, we're in that place now, aren't we? I hope. And it's why we get to come to the Lord's table. And it's why I cannot believe I'm so thankful that this gets to be a communion Sunday because I don't ever wanna have to preach this passage and not be able to go to the table. Because what is the communion table? It is a place, it is a time, we are about to enter into a time of communing with the Lord in the middle of all of our sin, in the middle of all of our trials, in the middle of all of our pain, in the middle of our temptations and the memory of the times we fall and pray to temptation. We come to the Lord, it's communion. We come to be with him in all those places because he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And what we're coming to commune with him around is the fact that he died for all of those sins that you commit when you fall prey to temptation. That he actually washed you clean of all the times you did let the enemy in. He washed you clean of all the times that you did the thing that you knew you were being tempted of, that you've been tempted of a thousand times and you tried so hard not to and you still did it. He washed you clean of that. He was with you in that and he's with you now. And so we come to the table and we eat and we drink the power of the redeeming love of Jesus. We take in the bread and the wine and we believe that that's a reminder, but it's even more than that. It's, a, it's an infusion of the power of the presence of Jesus who comes and fights for you. And it, my friends, is a amazing opportunity to come and ask him to fight for you in your current temptation. So this morning, if you are tempted by something, if you're in a season of trial, if you're in a painful place and you know that you have been and you will be tempted to sin in that place, then come, bring that to the table. It is a place to come and blow the horn. It's a place to come and receive the Lord fighting for you. And so use this opportunity. This is supernatural. This is not within your control. And so come willingly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul tells us to come. And he says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, on the night when he was under unbelievable trial, on the night when he was tempted, he took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim his presence with you and the fact that his death has freed you from your sin. So you do not have to be ashamed. You don't have to let the crushing weight of guilt keep you from him. And you can say, get away, devil. Get away, evil desires. Get away, temptation. I have a savior who fights for me. And so please, if that is you, come. If it isn't you, if you're still exploring, if you're still trying to figure out, well, I mean, I think we're all trying to figure out what I just said, but if you're still, if you're still in a journey of understanding, you know, am I gonna give my life to the Lord? Am I going to pray this three-part prayer, Father, help, Father, have mercy, and Father, fight for me? Then we would say, uh, come and, and receive a relationship with the Jesus who fights for you. Do that first, and then come and practice it here. Okay, sometimes we say this is a family meal. So if you're in the family and if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and your fighter, then come. And if you haven't, I'll be sitting up at the front and I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. So you can just come in and chill with me for a little bit. All right. Um, Granny White, this is how you do this. You, I'm having to remind myself. You come forward. Uh, when you come kneel at the, uh, at the kneelers, you can hold your arms out when you're ready to receive uh, the bread and the grape juice or wine. Grape juice is in the uh, purple tinted cups in the middle, and then the wine is on the outside. If you would like prayer, if you want someone to kind of get in the battle with you, um, I would be happy to do that, and the servers would be happy to do that. If you want that, just cross your arms, and someone will come and enter into the fight with you. Um, when you exit, go through the door, but then please come back in. Uh, don't, don't, you know, pop your juice and leave. Uh, come in and finish worshiping with us because it's all, it's part of this process uh, of letting the Lord do battle with us and for us, okay? All right, let me pray and then uh, the band will come up and you can come forward. Ah, Jesus, um, thank you that you're a fighter. Uh, thank you that you are uh, full of holy anger on our behalf. Uh, that you enter into this fight for us because you are desperately desirous of us to stay with you and to not leave you in our sin. Lord, we know that if we have been bought by the blood of Jesus and we have accepted that, then there is nothing that can pull us away. There is no temptation that we fall to. There is no sin that we can commit that will forever pull us away from you. And yet, Lord, we know that I, I step away from you all the time. I go back to my old ways I do it alone. So Lord, would this be a time that we fight for ourselves and we feel you and hear you fighting for us to keep us with you? Lord, if there is sin that so easily entangles us, that is entangling us now, Lord, I pray against it. And would we uh, come with this willingness to put that down and to ask you to fight for us? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.